Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We started this podcast because mental health is complicated and the stigma surrounding it can make us feel alone. So we are here to share authentic stories in order to normalize and prioritize mental health. We believe in professional therapy. We both use it on our own healing journeys, but we also know it isn't one size fits all. So we are here to provide tools from our own experiences, as well as those from our guests and professionals that come on the show. Thank you for being here as we navigate the complexities of mental health and mental illness together. Remember, hold on warriors, we're gonna make it. to another episode of the Unqualified Therapists. And welcome back to school season. Our kids are back in school. I bet yours are too, because by the time this comes out, we should be far enough into September, I think. Yeah. But my favorite part is when the kids go back to school. For me, actually, August 1st is when it signifies this. August 1st? August 1st is the start of spooky season for me. How about you? Well, I have a different situation now because my son's obsessed with spooky season. Right. So I just went on August 26th mm-hmm. to our first trip to the spirit store where we encountered all of the animatronics and he <laughs> talked to the workers about the history of all of them. Oh my. Why the fog doesn't come out. Mm. Do you know why? No. Because it sets off the store's like alarms, oh, smoke alarm. Okay. And the, that makes the worker sense. looked at him and goes, you're right. <laughs> so spooky season is here for us. Now it's time to get out and get them out of storage. All of our animatronics that have to live in the house because I have an HOA. So... It makes me so happy. I freaking love spooky season. I know. But I love fake spooky. I like, well, I guess witches aren't fake because that's real shit. <laughs> but we won't get into that. And not spooky. But, but and not okay. spooky at all. Um, but I love fall and pumpkin and spookiness and leaves and fog and all of the yummy smells and everything. But there is nothing spookier than real life. This story we're going to talk about today reads like some of these novels that I've been busting through this month, all these like twisted psychological thrillers. Okay, I need your recommendations. So tell me, everybody else, just hold on to yourself for just a second because I need some book recommendations. Because you're on what? Book four for so the I'm on, month? I'm on book four for the month. I'm on book four for like the past four months. But I was. I was behind on what I was doing. Because so you're trying to do 24 a year. I'm trying to do 24 a year. I am currently like ahead by two. Okay. But I re- I listen to them. Yeah. So. Still counts. I think that still counts. I listen sure to them. And I have also been trying. I can only do one thing at a time. <laughs> but this, this makes it so I can do two. But I've been really trying to get two miles in in the morning. Every morning. Because I heard somewhere that if you move your body like 
you know, that crossing over, yeah, yeah. right? Bilateral stimulation. Bilateral yeah. stimulation that your memory comes back. Mm-hmm. Is it and working? I feel better. I feel Good. so much better. Um, so I don't know what that's about, but now I'm also in a competition with my watch and there's just, there's other things. So, <laughs> so it's, it gives me time to listen to my stories. So my programs, my programs. <laughs> so a flicker in the dark and all the dangerous things by Stacy Willingham, two different books, same author, two different books, same author. Okay. If you remember when Jillian Flynn came yes. out many moons ago yeah, yeah. and you flew through those hell they yeah. were so good. Mm-hmm. I have not found a book like that until these two. And to remind everybody, that was like Gone Girl, Sharp Objects, those books. Yeah. There was three of them, I think. And that yeah, was what it. Was the and last I was so one? sad. I, I don't know. I loved them all. I really, really loved her writing. I like mm-hmm. thought she would write more and then she just didn't. So these ones I highly recommend. Right now I'm reading, listening to Never Lie by Frida McFadden. And those of you who are readers out there probably recognize that because I went on her Goodreads. She wrote The Housemaid, which is really popular. If I show you the picture, the blue one. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. really popular right now. And so I didn't know that. I guess this was written. Let's see here. This was written before. This was published before The Housemaid. So... This one's, this one's excellent, too. I'm really invested in all of these people's lives. <laughs> and when it ends, I feel like I've, like, lost a friend because I get... I know! I get really attached to the female lead character, mm-hmm. who, of course, it's never their fault. Right. I also want to say that all dangerous things, all the dangerous things, at the end, it's a play. It reminds me so much of Barbie. Um, uh-huh. When you listen to the author's note at the end where she talks about why she wrote this book the way she wrote it and it's just about how hard it is to be a woman and you just can't really win right exactly and these are the things that you do sometimes mm-hmm. to i don't manage it or whatever anyways it's those are great i love all three of them so much oh good I'm currently listening to Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers, and it's hilarious. It's really funny. It's the same author that did Dial A for Aunties yes, that I read. And, and you like, love that. Yes, and I love that. Is that like a fiction? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's just about this like 65-year-old woman from um, China who lives in San Francisco who go- owns a little tea shop, walks into her tea shop one day, and there's a man dead on her floor. So she's going to solve the murder. And it's really funny. It's cute. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then I'm also reading, which I know I'm like so far behind on this and everybody's read it, but Tiny Beautiful Things. I hadn't read it yet. You know, I haven't either. It's all though articles written from the author. I don't know how you say her last name. I don't know if it's Strayed or Strayed. Cheryl Strayed, I'm guessing. Oh, the one that wrote Wild. Yes. She wrote wrote Wild. Yes. Hmm. So she wrote this too. So she apparently was this um, secret author for an advice column for years and so nobody knew and she was already this new york times bestseller and whatever but had been writing for this article for this newspaper as a oh this is real and this is real as an advice columnist for years but no one had any clue that that was her so she went by sugar was her name in the advice column how fun would that be yes so she do that i would love that (laughs) we're just telling everybody our secret right now we're the secret advice column you'll never know you'll never know but the things that she writes are so deep and poignant and like real 
So it's not a story. It's just a collection of these advice columns that people have written in and kind of the ones that have stood out the most to her and to the readers. And they're just really touching. And some of the things that she talks about in like the depths of grief and where she was in these certain moments in her life to relate. So it's not like a typical advice column where someone says, you know, I give you this advice and go do that. And, and this will make you feel better. Instead, she yeah. says, this really sucks. It hurts. Mm-hmm. And here's how I hurt and got through this hurt in my hey, life. That sounds like someone I know. I know. Sounds huh. kind of like a podcast. Sounds like <laughs> two <laughs> gals that I know. But that is why I relate to it so hard is because it does kind of remind me of what we're doing here, but she just writes so eloquently. As I'm reading it, I was like, I want to read this on the show and I want to read this on the show. And then I was like, well, mm. if I read everything, I'm just going to read the whole book on the freaking show. Wow. <laughs> we're all going to listen to tiny, beautiful things, but it's all going to be narrated by me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that you just finished a book called Never Lie because we're going to be talking about lots of lying today. To the point that you're not sure that anything is true that this woman said. Lying to the point that it makes me completely infuriated because of the subject matter, for one. But two, just lose faith in humanity and question when I see things. Do that too. I use Avery's terminology and I'll be like, it's a little sus. (laughs) And you know, sometimes I know someone's lying and I just like let it go because it's Mm -hmm. not that big of a deal, but it makes me sad. Just tell me the truth. Right. This isn't okay. This is not okay. This lying, (laughs) this type of lying, no, not okay. So I don't know how many of you listen to the podcast Scamanda, but the second I listened to it, I was like, Sarah's going to be even more pissed off than me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I can't measure my anger against yours, but what I can say is that I actually felt my face getting hot and rage building in my chest. It was a, a visceral, physical reaction that I had to listening to this podcast. As just a regular human who did not have cancer, I was enraged as well, but then I was trying to take the point of view of what if it was like she faked her husband's suicide mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that and it's interesting like it makes your rage even go up higher it does yeah when you can really when you've already felt that hurt mm-hmm. and then she's faking it well this woman really really did a number on people it starts with her in college beginning to tell her fellow RAs she was a resident assistant that she had Hodgkin's lymphoma which is a type of blood cancer and that lie got her out of pulling RA shifts yeah at the beginning it got her out of class it got her out of doing things and then they were saying that there was like 1400 kids and 15 RAs so when she would call off that's a lot for the rest of them to do Mm -hmm. it just started there where you know people gave her sympathy and grew so we don't know all the details but the next thing that we know just from the podcast is that she becomes friends with this family this young girl has cancer and so she volunteers her time to come over and help. I think she does cheerleading with her. You know, she's like an older teenager. I don't know, maybe early 20s. And so the kids are like, this is such a cool, you know, woman to hang out with me or whatever. Well, she didn't just do that. She also ended up taking that that husband, Corey, and they end up together. So there's a whole part of the podcast where you're going to hear the story of the mom 
and her fight for custody of one of the children and really what the hell they put her through, truly. Mm-hmm. So not just like, I stole your husband, but I'd like to steal your child and I'm going to make your life miserable. And I'm going to accuse you of not being mentally stable when in reality. She gaslit the shit out of yes. her. I remember thinking, whoa, this is some gaslighting. Mm-hmm. What a lot of these lies have to do with is maintaining some sort of control over people's perception of her, over her environment, and then controlling people's emotions and being able to play like a puppeteer. It was like she had this main character energy, Mm -hmm. but couldn't do it on her own. She knew that this would be something that would get get people's attention. And we also have to say that she's she's in a church. So she's in one, you know, an evangelical Christian church. This plays well there. Because we love miracles. Right. And so you'll see she's going to die and then there's a miracle. Then she's going to die and then there's a miracle. I mean, it goes back and forth more times than I could count. I can't even keep track of how many times she was terminal, had days to live, and then there was, she was in remission. And that was a back and forth that happened for years. Yeah, for a very, very long time. And, you know, she has a child in the middle of that. There's just, there's so much that happens on this long journey. And every time when you listen, you'll think, oh, surely she gets caught here. Right. Oh, surely it's here. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It goes on until somebody sends an email to an investigative journalist and says, here are some links to a blog. Please go look at this. If there's anything you can do, please do something. And so this journalist does that and she investigates for seven years. I know you thought I was going to say months. (laughs) I even listened to it and I still thought you were going to say months. So she investigates hardcore and she becomes pretty intrusive in their lives to get these details. And so there is a fight and a back and forth, a lawsuit even where she's tries to get her basically arrested for slander because she is claiming and she's putting out there into the universe. This story is not true. People need to stop donating their money. Amy mentioned that they're in this big church, the evangelical church. So if you've ever been a part of that, Sometimes when somebody is struggling with something, they come to the front, they give their testimony, they tell their story to the whole congregation, and they'll put some sort of bowl at the front and people will just come up and start tossing cash in. And this was the beginning, I think, of Mm -hmm. her being able to see, oh, I can make some serious Mm -hmm. money off of this. It's such a difficult story to listen to if you have experienced any sort of illness that you've struggled with. This was very hard for me to hear knowing to if you've listened to the episode where I talk about um, where we talk about gaslighting and my experiences with gaslighting and unfortunately my cancer journey included me having some serious gaslighting with the person that I believed to be closest to besides my husband in a time where I was struggling with my physical health I had never felt more alone in my life where I felt like I didn't have anybody because that's what I was led to believe that I was alone in this journey. And then I hear the story of this woman manipulating thousands of people through her blog and through their mega church that they were at. So it was thousands of people. It was thousands. And I didn't understand that, but Mm -hmm. they call her like the earliest of the influencers. Right. So in 2015, her blog was hot. Mm hmm. When blogs were the thing, Mm -hmm. that was how influencers, quote, made Mm -hmm. their money. Listening to this story, 
it infuriated me with a red hot flame. I was angry hearing the details about such deep manipulation. This girl did her research. She knew so much about Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, how about the fact that she tried to be, well, she didn't try to, she was a support, like a support group for people with that and helped everyone on their journeys mm -hmm. with that cancer. What the fuck? Right. Exactly. Just to give you a little taste. And it's so hard. I don't want to just do a little, but I mean, I'm what I think is I think I'm going to link my research of the way back web. <laughs> I found three original blog posts plus this one on Reddit. But this is going to give you just a little bit into, you know, what her life was like and how she spoke to people. Because she was forced to take this down. But as we all know, when things go off the internet, they don't go off the internet. Right. <laughs> so it says, this New York trip, every time I have to go to New York, especially so close together, it's panic time. Where am I going to stay? How am I going to get there? How are we going to pay for all the tests needed before I can go? How are we going to pay for my medicine and testing while there? Well, again, you'd think I'd know better than to worry and to know I am cared for and loved. A family from church reached out on Thanksgiving and decided that they wanted to pay for my trial drug for this New York trip and paid all $1,350 of it. Then the beautiful blank family graciously used their points to get me to and from no questions asked on top of being our most consistent generous donors. And blank and blank, before I even left New York last time, told me I was staying with them again. A few additional super generous donations covered all the excess costs, food, transportation in New York, plus all the testing and hospital fees. So this trip cost our family nothing. How do you thank people for that? I can't even tell you what it feels like to not feel any monetary stress for this trip. We feel very blessed. Y'all, <laughs> she went to New York with her family for free on a gallivanting New York family getaway, not for any kind of medical treatment. That is disgusting. She put a picture up to show that she was in a hospital, but it was like an old picture and it definitely wasn't the New York hospital that she said she was at. People did that research of the background of the mm -hmm. picture. She did post herself... And this was the part that I was like, huh? She did post herself getting treatments and in hospitals and hospital gowns so that I guess to prove to the people who were giving her money, look, I'm sick. So yeah, this was a completely free trip. And I also think it's interesting because she was such an influencer online, people like to have shout outs. She knew that by saying things of this nature, it was going to get more people to donate so that they could possibly be recognized and then have this other family uh, donate even more. In my personal experience, and I know everybody's experiences are different, but in my personal experience, I was very lucky enough to have my insurance cover literally everything that I had. However, with that being said, I was self-employed. I had five surgeries in two years, and every time that I had a surgery, I was out for at least six weeks. Five surgeries, that's 30 weeks of work that I missed, of self-employed work that I missed. 
I didn't have anybody giving me money for that. Like the fact that this woman didn't actually have cancer and told people she did to get monetary gain, go on trips and do these things infuriates the fuck out of me because we struggled so hard during that time. My husband picked up, I can't even tell you how much extra work trying to make up for it. And I cannot thank him enough for that. I only had the support of my family and friends of love to say that they were here for me to love me and care for me. And that was only after the first two years where I was being told I didn't have that support and was pulled away from the rest of those people. And that's a story for another time. That is why my fury runs so deep for this. (laughs) There was a point in time where there were celebrities making the hashtag, hashtag team Amanda, trend, and were donating items to be auctioned off to get money for her. So there's not that many of her blog sites that are up. So this one is November 5th, 2015, and the title is Courageous. Feeling over anxious about starting my seventh and final go at a new treatment (laughs) for this stupid disease. Had to listen to my kids' tears tonight on the phone because they don't understand and want mommy to come home. I'm 3,000 miles away from them. I have to miss Jess's 13th birthday. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there. She's messing with her kids' emotions. Could you? No. 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 Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We're getting blindsided and with additional costs that we hadn't planned and saved for because we didn't know. And I was told three different times today, oh man, your scans are bad. Do they think it will still work? Is Who would say that? The language she uses is so out of touch, I can't even begin to comment on it. Like when she says the stupid disease, I mean, whatever. Everybody talks differently, but I wouldn't, I, I couldn't say that about having cancer. I'm going for my seventh treatment for this stupid disease. And then to just drag her children through all of that is unimaginable as a mom. Also, who's going to say, oh, man, your scans are bad? Oh, man, your scans are Could bad. You imagine a doctor being like, oh, If my man. doctor said that, I would be like, can I please see somebody else? Are you serious right now? She goes on to say, part of me just wanted to throw in the towel. A big part of me, if I'm being authentic. It's too much. The boulder on my back is too heavy, and I'm all alone. Oh, my gosh. Then someone called saying someone was dropping off food to Corey and the kids. And someone else called saying they were going to babysit and help. It reminded me that I'm not doing this for me. This fight is for all of you. My family, my kids, my friends, my church, and my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not and never have been alone. I have an army fighting behind me and I, that I am so blessed and thankful for. It just, it boils my blood. This lie has been going since she was in college. How exhausting. I can't imagine. I And how do you keep it straight? Tried to lie to Randy about getting tickets to Tom Papa for Christmas for him. Because he was trying to go on and buy the tickets and I had already bought them for his Christmas gift. I lied for like 20 minutes and I was sweating and profusely I was shaking and I couldn't keep it up. I was like, 
I can't even imagine. Like, I can't. You're like, I bought you tickets. I, I was like, I bought them already. And he's like, oh my God, I wonder why you were being so weird. <laughs> Not a good liar. No. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's just years and years and years. It's most of her life was a lie. And that's just, it has to be exhausting. I wanted to know why, because this is a mental health podcast after all. And so Amy and I are very curious about, is there a diagnosis? Is there something that we can attribute to this? And I think that that's a hard thing about reality and humanism is that we can't say for sure. We don't know. We aren't doctors. We don't diagnose. But what I will say is that I did find something that I believe to be, if I were a doctor, and if I had to guess, that this would be what I would say is happening with Amanda C. Riley. And it's in the DSM-5, and it is a mental illness called factitious disorder. And factitious disorder is a diagnosis assigned to individuals who falsify illness in themselves or in another person without any obvious gain. The diagnosis for an individual falsifying illness of another person is factitious disorder imposed on another. And so that's where I would say, like, does Corey have the by proxy? These were so these uh, you might be familiar with the term Munchausen's or Munchausen's by proxy. And that's what this disorder used to be called. And it has now been renamed for the DSM-5 as factitious disorder. You may also be familiar, because this one was really famous, of a similar story, which was Gypsy Rose and her mother, Dee Dee. And that was the same type of story. Mom made child sick, so the child appeared to have diseases and cancer to have attention and financial gain. If you haven't watched that documentary, go get that. Ooh, that's a, that's a whole thing. So symptoms of factitious disorder... I'm going to read directly from the DSM. By its nature, factitious disorder can seem asymptomatic. In order to make a diagnosis of factitious disorder, it may be necessary for a health professional to look for clues and patterns in behavior that suggest an individual is being misleading. Some behaviors, however, do make factitious disorder easier to spot, including inconsistencies between patient history and medical observations, vague details that seem plausible on the surface but don't hold up to scrutiny, Lengthy medical records with multiple admissions at different hospitals. Willingness to accept any discomfort and risk from many medical procedures, even surgery. And overdramatic or outlandish presentation of factitious illness or hostility when challenged. So if you listen to the podcast, you will see that all of these points are hit. (laughs) The diagnostic criteria also from the DSM that there are four primary criteria that are necessary to diagnose. These are one, intentional induction or falsification of physical or psychological signs or symptoms. The individual presents themselves as ill, impaired, or injured to others. The deceptive behavior persists even in the absence of external incentives or rewards. And last, another mental disorder does not better explain the behavior. So I thought for sure at first that this was her until I did some further research and found that there is a different diagnosis called malingering. And malingering is also in the DSM, and it is the intentional falsification, exaggeration, or induction of illness, physical and or mental, for predominantly external benefits, such as obtaining money, avoiding work or responsibility, seeking drugs, 
avoiding trial or jail time, or seeking paid time off. Malingering is distinct from factitious disorder because it involves known external and often tangible rewards. Mm. If a person falsifies or induces illness in their child to garner money or other external benefits, the term used is malingering imposed on another. So the first one is more emotional support, attention-seeking, mm-hmm. and the second one is the money external benefits so i'm thinking it's like a meld of the two i would say yeah it's hard it's hard to say that Mm -hmm. would be one or the other right how many things are in this dsm (laughs) in the dsm i think it's interesting because i had no idea that that especially the second one was a thing i had always heard of munchauser munchausen's yeah munchausen's Mm -hmm. i felt like i had to say like a munch that was really funny But Munchausen I, and Munchausen by proxy. Those were the two that I'd always Munchausen heard. by proxy was, I feel like, what you heard about more. Mm-hmm. Right, because it was a lot of times we heard these stories or saw these stories of mothers bringing mm-hmm. their children in. And I think we hear about that more because I think it's easier to identify something like that than it is to confront a one person, like a human. When, it's a ch- when a child is involved, you can step in and say, this is child abuse. Because it even says abuse by factitious disorder. They also refer to it as. So when you can identify abuse and pull a child out of a situation, that's going to be written down somewhere and recorded. But when you say to somebody, you're faking this, and they're just like, oh, and they back off or go to a different hospital or go see someone else, it's hard to keep track, I guess, of how many people really have this disorder. So in the time that Amanda was doing this, we need to remember that not all records were electronic. So you couldn't cross-reference from one hospital to another hospital until way later. So after she was caught, she moved to Arizona and did it again. Was like immediately back on her shit. Yep, back on her bullshit. (laughs) She got into a church and then started going to emergency rooms, visited each and every one that was in the area. But they started cross-referencing her name in the emergency rooms. And I think that was a thing that got her to stop there. So I was looking and I thought, How do you treat something like this? DSM says is that there's no known single treatment for factitious disorder. The difficulty in creating treatments for this disorder is really just that there are so few cases reported. And it says how even fewer of those go on to receive continued long-term treatment options. Of the few documented cases, it is noted that treating issues around the factitious disorder, such as any comorbid conditions, often brings an end to factitious disorder itself or enables management of the condition. It is also theorized that treating potential underlying issues, such as historical childhood traumas, may produce similar results. I'm guessing that there are causes. We don't know much about her childhood, but now I'm really interested. It also says in the DSM, it should be noted, however, that few individuals with factitious disorder choose to receive psychiatric treatment. Well, they're pathological liars, of course. And they probably truly don't think anything's wrong with them. I know. And under the section of comorbidity, which is where they discuss things that overlap. So it's like, you know, usually when you see this, you can also see this. It doesn't really say much of anything where you would think that you would say, in my mind, I would say, usually when you see this, you see narcissistic personality disorder or you see, you know, I don't know, some other sort of underlying mental illness. 
But it says, as a result of its defining characteristics and the deception of those who suffer from the condition, factitious disorder is difficult to study. How do you study somebody who's pathologically lying to you? Yeah. As such, most reports are single cases or small case studies. I'm sure. I mean, nobody is going to come forward with that. I just want to know, Amanda, did you not think about karma? I just feel like when you do stuff like this, then you get stuff like this. Mm, Right. And I, I don't know how you would want to bring such negativity in your life. I try to put myself in her shoes and I'm like, okay, I wake up in the morning and I don't have cancer, but I have cancer. To everyone else. Mm-hmm. The amount of lives that she touched by this in like bad ways, it really does ripple out. There's some bonus episodes I was telling Sarah about. I just listened to this one where <laughs> I have no idea still how she just like taught maybe for a little bit of time and then got a job as a principal yes a principal of a christian school but then she ended up like being terrible to the staff because she said you know she can't come in until after 10 because her chemo treatments paralyze her body until 10 a.m until 10 a.m that's when she wants to come into work (laughs) in case you were wondering that's not how chemo works (laughs) Basically, she's a charmer. I mean, she is definitely someone who was bubbly and sweet and you just really wanted her to love you and she loved people and they loved her. It's the kind of person that people want to win. I can remember years ago when I was in my 20s working in Las Vegas and a coworker of ours told everyone that she had heart cancer. <laughs> Which I don't even think is a thing. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor. I can't say for sure. But um, I did my research back then because I was like, well, shit, this is terrible. But I just had, I also was like, "Mm, she's lying. You know how you just have those feelings. And I just knew. Well, you know, heart cancer. I was like, that sounds made up. I don't think that's real. So I did the research that I could, but you know, it was like Ask Jeeves back then. So <laughs> I don't know if what I got. Shout was, out to anyone that knows what that is. Yeah. If I got some uh, good info or not, but I was like, I don't think this is real. So there's that type of situation. But then, you know, it's not to be confused with just calling off work with some fake illness. Like, that's fine. Whatever. Do your thing. Take your mental health days if you need to. And if they're not going to let you take a mental health day, you tell them that you're sick. But I will never forget, again, in my 20s at the same establishment, somebody calling in sick and they're like, oh, man, I just can't come in today. Um, I have smallpox. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, dude, you best get somewhere because that shit's been eradicated. You're going to (laughs) die. Like That is going to kill you. And we're like, we think you mean chicken pox, don't you? And he's like yeah (laughs) oh my god smallpox wrong wrong pox sorry (laughs) oops oh my gosh i had to take it somewhere light for a sec because i was getting worked up yeah (laughs) but when you think about these things i thought while i was listening to this podcast how does someone get away with this and how does someone take convincing pictures and when you looked at her blogs or you looked at her social media accounts There were pictures of her in the hospital. Several. As they say today, she had the receipts. She had the receipts. Yes. She's showing you, hey, I actually went. What you just paid money for, I did it. Or this drug that you bought, I have it. 
but it was all a lie. So we're going to link this article as well for you to check out. And it is by an oncology nurse. She has been an oncology nurse for 10 years. And she basically goes through picture by picture and shows you how she faked these things. How there are, are unattended carts in hospitals. And if you just walk through a hospital, you can snag some stuff, some supplies, take it back to your house, take some pictures against a blank, unidentifiable wall. And there you go. And there is an episode where a friend of hers had to go to the hospital for something of their own, runs into her in the hallway with a clear plastic bag full of supplies, and she looked like a kid caught with its hand in the cookie jar. It was a lot of stuttering and uh, 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 didn't know what to say, and then just basically said she was there for treatment, and it was, I think, close to midnight. It's just I a mean, very... she has pictures with IVs in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like she just said, I don't feel good, or shaved her head. I mean, Which she, she did do, by the way. She did right. shave her head. Mm-hmm. She went full like in, which means that, I mean, there's a whole part of the podcast where she says, I've never heard of this before, but she says, my doctors allowed me to do chemo at home. <laughs> to give it to myself. And so she has this IV bag and she shows herself at home, you know, giving chemo to herself. I can't. It's very, very detailed. If you weren't thinking that she was a liar, I think that you would just breeze over some of the weirdness. Right. Because that's not our first thoughts, I think, most of the time. Like, oh, this person is lying. Unless you've had, you've been burned. Right. Or you've experienced the illness and you're like, that does not add up. Why would somebody think that that's normal when it's not? And so when she's confronted the end, she still doesn't give in. She's still playing it. She's still owning that story. And I just thought, wow, I can't imagine like straight up continuing that lie. But maybe once you live it for so long, it just becomes true. It just reminds me of something so childlike when children are caught literally red handed mm-hmm. with whatever they're doing. Yeah. And they will just, you know, just lie. But no, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Have you seen that video <laughs> online of the little girl? She's probably four or five and she's face is entirely covered in marker yeah like she is drawn all over herself and she's like what happened the caption says tell me your mom's a therapist without telling me your mom's a therapist and this little girl is like listen I think you're very upset in your body right now (laughs) (laughs) and I think you need to let your body feel calm again before we can talk about this but I did not do anything with the markers. <laughs> and she's just covered in marker. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it reminds me of. It's just like a child. It's very And there's childlike. many, many moments like that in this journey that, that the podcast takes you on. People complain that it jumps around. Well, I'm telling you, her story is so all over the place that it's really hard for it not to be like that. I wish I could understand the, but it's like a web. It's not really a timeline. Mm -hmm. I think of it like more like a web. Like it's like all over the place. It goes back and forth, back and forth because she's healed so many times and then she's six months to live so many times. Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep a timeline and keep track of lies. So we have some good news. In October of 2022, she was taken to court. She was tried and she was convicted and pled guilty. She is serving five years in prison. And when she is released, she will have three years of probation. So she'll be released in August 2026. 
That's so soon. It is soon. It is really soon. Well, she was only charged. They do go through a whole bunch of this on the podcast. They can only charge you on the money that's traceable. Mm. So the amount of gift cards and the amount of cash that was given to her cannot be, or the points for the hotel, airline miles, yeah, those sorts of things. Like you can't, you can't track that stuff. So you know, while it's probably half a million, if not more. She was only charged with, wasn't it 100000 Yes, she was charged with theft of 105000 I just wonder, like, is she still <laughs> owning the story? No, I believe in her sentencing that she expressed remorse, apparently, for her acts. I wonder what she'll do when she gets out. Mm. Guarantee you she writes a book. Speaking of books. How I did it, or something like that, <laughs> right? Sort of like the fake heiress, Anna Delvey. I right. forget the name of it. Did she write a book? She didn't write a book, but she was all in for giving her story for the documentary or the docu-series oh. that they did that was on Netflix. Wow. Because she gave her whole story to that reporter, that the one who, who wrote it. There is a book written by psychiatrist Dr. Mark Feldman, and the book is called, he wrote actually about five books about this, but the most recent one is called Dying to be Ill. He really explains this, and I just find it such an infuriating yet fascinating illness to read about. For the book, he interviewed dozens of people who have Munchausen syndrome, which is what it was called at the time. He said that patients often talked about the feeling as an addiction or compulsion, and that these patients struggle to, quote, resist the pull of obtaining attention or sympathy, he said. And that Munchausen by proxy is often associated with the traits of a martyr, that the caretaker often seeks out praise, compassion, and sympathy. For some, he says, feigning an illness helps keep them feeling in control. This may feel good for people who lack a sense of self, since as a patient, there are very clear expectations for how to structure one's time. This could be spending scheduled periods in a hospital or clinic, or as Feldman is increasingly seeing, spending more time in front of a computer, learning about treatments for the illness they do not actually have. Blows my mind. Yeah. It also makes me think that I'm leaning more towards the other one for her. Malingering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it was more of a monetary I mean, she game. really wasn't like into being sick. <laughs> right. Right. At she all. was more into the. Yeah. And she didn't. Feel sorry yeah. for me. She didn't actually like try to go to the doctors. That's usually what I think of with that. Like they want mm-hmm. the diagnosis. They want that. She didn't want that. She just wanted to play these people. Right. But what I found interesting, and, and like I said before, is that they were only able to get her on the 107000 right? Mm-hmm. And and the IRS is what took her down. It's always, with the mob, with all the other things, it's always the IRS or like mail fraud that takes somebody down. They passed on the case to the IRS, and that's how she was able to be charged and taken down. I remember listening to that part in the podcast and being like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, that's a wild twist. This yeah. isn't. And they explain in there all of the reasons why it can't be taken down criminally. But like this does because the, they just follow the money. Interesting. So the charges were related to financial crimes associated with a scheme to solicit donations from individuals. It's Title 18, United States Code, Section 1343 preventing anyone from obtaining money or property by means of false or fraudulent pretenses, representations, or promises, transmits or causes to be transmitted 
by means of wire, radio, or television communication in interstate or foreign commerce, any writing, signs, signals, pictures, or sounds for the purpose of executing such scheme. Wow. I really would love to know more. Maybe she believed who she was. About people who do this kind of thing, like Catch Me If You Can. Do you think that's kind of the same? Do you remember that movie? Yeah. I wonder if that's the same, because that's based on a true story. Yeah. Do you begin to believe your own lie? I don't know. We'd love to know your thoughts. As always, we'll ask you. Email us, unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com, or go to unqualifiedtherapists.com. Leave us a voicemail. You can record up to two minutes. We'll play it on the show if you're okay with it. If not, just say, don't record me on the show. (laughs) And then give us your thoughts. And we wanted to give a special shout out to a new listener who left us the nicest and most complimentary review, which we haven't had any of those in a while because we haven't told you to do it. (laughs) So I met her when I was sitting outside at the OU Inn by the pool and we were just chatting and I told her about the podcast and she listened and she really, really liked it. And that makes me so happy. I know it was so nice. Thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate you. And if you are liking what you're listening to, we would love for you to head over to either our website or to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review there. We also would love it if you would follow our podcast or subscribe to it, whatever platform you're listening on. That helps us to be seen more, oddly enough. All the things, though, help us. We're also on Instagram at Unqualified Therapists. That's what we do most of our social media. Um, We have... Every once in a while, pop on a tip t- TikTok if Amy can convince me to do something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can find us all at those spots. And if you want to help us keep the mics on, you can go over to Patreon at patreon.com backslash unqualified therapists, Inc. And there you can find our full episode with Heather Abraham from last week and you can hear all of the rest of that conversation it's like another hour it is a full hour yes so be sure to go over there check it out and really mostly we just appreciate the support so that we can continue with this work thank you so much for listening all remember everyone to stay wild and weird warriors we love you this episode was brought to you by sarah simone and amy baumgartner theme song and other music provided by epidemic sound All episodes are mixed, mastered, and produced by me, Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this one, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. Or share us with a friend, relative, coworker, hairstylist, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. Sharing us not only helps keep the mics on, but it furthers our mission in removing the stigma. If you have a mental health journey you'd like to share, email us at unqualifiedtherapists.com at gmail.com or reach out to us on our website www.unqualifiedtherapists.com until next time hold on warrior we're gonna make it we are-